From the studios of Teeing It Up in the Swamps of Jersey, this is Teeing It Up presents the Sunday Sprint Fantasy and Gambling. Uh, sorry, fan, yeah, Fantasy and Gambling. I got that right the first time. Uh, edition for week four of the National Football League uh, season. We welcome in Danny Flecker for that. Good afternoon. Good afternoon. Um, all right, so here we are. And uh, the first thing we're going to talk about is the NFL and the refs came to a seven-year new CBA agreement. So we won't have replacement refs anytime soon. Oh, well, I guess that's a good thing. But, you know, at the end of the day, they're still making a lot of mistakes out there. So I'm hoping that collective bargaining agreement, they had something where they have full-time refs or better training or clarification of processes because... It's been pretty bad so far the first uh, three and a half weeks. Yes. All right. So we're going to have some fun this week um, because you haven't been on for this special in, in two weeks. So we're going to talk about are these people or are these teams real and what you should do um, as a result gambling-wise. So number one, the Cowboys are 3-0. and They play the same two or 2-1 two and one, who are still playing well even without – Drew Brees, are the Cowboys for real, or is this a smokescreen because of what we've seen so far? And how does that play into Zeke, Dak, and Cooper if you have them on your fantasy teams? I think the Cowboys are going to go through a similar season that we saw a couple of years ago when they went thirteen and three. I think that their offensive line is healthy; uh, they're able to run the ball. Zeke Elliott still doesn't have one of those monster games yet, but it's still early in the season, and he did miss all training camp, so, you know, it's going to take a little while for him, I think, to, to get into it. Uh, Cooper looks to be good, and up until last week, they, they looked like they had some complimentary pieces outside of Cooper, too, with Michael Gallup and Jason Witten chipping in, you know, but unfortunately, Gallup got hurt, um, and that defense has been playing well so far. Do I think that it's sustainable as far as getting to where they want to get to, to the Super Bowl? I don't know. I, I think that the one thing with the Cowboys, after watching a lot of the games with them, is I think teams, when they play them at times, can can let them dictate the game too much. And that is by, you know, especially in the, when the Cowboys are on defense, I don't think enough teams take enough shots against that defense. And, and while they're, they're decent enough to, to hold up against some of these lower-level teams, I think a, a high-scoring, you know, high prolific team can take advantage of them. And I don't see that enough. So, you know, the Cowboys, to mitigate that, you know, look to have a ball control offense, which this year has kind of gone out the window because they've been airing it out. And and Dak looks like he's maybe figured something out along those lines. But I I don't know if they can still hang with the top echelon teams. I think tough matchups for them would be like teams like the Rams or the Bears or the Vikings that have three stout run defenses and can lock up on the outside. So, in this game, it's tough. You know, last year, the Cowboys dismantled the Saints at home and were able to really do whatever they want to, both on the offensive and defensive side of the ball. And this year, the, the Saints are without Drew Brees. The line is two and a half. Um, I think, to be honest, this might be a lower-scoring game than people might think. I think... The, the Saints are going to try to do that ball control. They're going to try to keep the Cowboys' offense off the field, take advantage of the home field, and try to really squeeze the air out of the ball. So for me, this line is it's tough. Uh, it's hard for me to read. I don't think I, I play on either side. I think it's going to be a, 
a tough game. I don't want to read too much into Bridgewater's last start either. I thought, you know, they did enough that they could win that game, but I don't think when you really dive into Bridgewater's stat line that he really had that effect of a game. So for me, I'm staying away from it um, from a gambling perspective, from a fantasy side. You should feel comfortable going out with guys like Michael Thomas, uh, Kamara, Cooper, Dak, Zeke, all those guys should be in line for big roles for this game. I think that this is one of those games where the superstars have to come to play and make the play. The Redskins are awful, yet the line for Giants-Redskins is only three. Um, is that a testament to Daniel Jones being unproven? And what does that say for Saquon Barkley fantasy-wise? I think it's just because the Giants are at home, to be honest with you. It's the minus three is the usual home field advantage line. Um, the Giants' defense is terrible. The Redskins' offense looks to be pretty bad. Case Keenum is a turnover machine. Um, the Washington defense looks pretty bad on Monday night as well. So I, I think this is just the line is reflecting where it's played, and that's in the Meadowlands. As far as you know, the fantasy side of things, I think this is one of those matchups where you can find some lower-end matchups to, to exploit. And by that, I mean you know someone like a Chris Thompson or an Adrian Peterson. Uh, you know, and even a guy like Trey Quinn on the Redskins could be in line for some big days. Again, again, the Giants' defense is pretty terrible. They haven't been able to hold anyone out of the end zone. They make adjustments in the second half, but you know, by then you might already have had you know what you need from somebody from a fantasy side of things. Um, on the Giants' side of the ball, you have to roll out Engram Jones. Is, I think a start in this game. If you if you don't have another option here, I, I you know it's thoroughly impressive to start on Sunday, but I'm not going to read too much into it. Um, you know, without Saquon Barkley for most of the game, you have to kind of readjust everything here. I think this will be a more gameplay focused game unless they get behind early, which at that part, you know, you're going to see them tear out the ball. Um, but guys like Ingram, Jones, Gallman, the dark, dark throw, to be honest with you, I haven't been too impressed with him in his time with the Giants so far, but my guess is he's going to get 15 to 20 touches in this game. And a guy like Sterling Shepard, who falled out last week, should be in line for a good week this week. Are the Bills for real? They're facing the Patriots. The Patriots are only seven-point favorites. Um, I've seen the Bills in person. They faced your Giants, so you've seen them. Um, This is a team that has grit, and Orchard Park is going to be ridiculous. But that line, to me, seems way too low and is suspicious in my mind. I, 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 I think the Patriots roll easily in this game and get the Bills back to, um, on, on uh, you know, take them off their high and, and uh, get them back sober, so to speak. Yeah, I like the Patriots a lot in this game. I took the pass at minus seven as soon as it came out. I thought the line was a little low. I think the Bills have been pretty impressive on the defensive side of the ball. Um, but again, we got to go back and look at some of these teams that are three and one, three and oh, or four, two and one, whatever it might be, and look at the schedule. You know, they played the Jets, which you know we've seen now offensively. You know, they were in after even with Sam Darnold in that game. Yes. Um, the Giants, which were which was you know twenty one nothing before halftime, and then the Bengals, which they blew kind of a lead in that game. Um, but their defense has been really impressive. But the Patriots are a different monster. You know, their defense is playing 
really, really well right now. You know, Bill Belichick is going to do Bill Belichick things. He's going to take away Allen's ability to, to scramble. He's going to make him beat him with his arm. And I just don't think he's at that point yet where he can do that. And I don't think Buffalo has the weapons where they can do that. And I think Buffalo has been able to look really impressive because they've had lead all the, um, in two of the games they played besides the Jets game. Um, but in that Jets game, their defense is able to keep them in there long enough for them to capitalize on some of the Jets' mistakes. So if Buffalo can't have a lead, you know, what are they going to look like? If they're down 7 points, 10 points, 14 points, are they able to, to spread it out and get the ball into the playmaker's hands? I just don't see it this week. It's a tough matchup for them. Bill Belichick always finds a way to, to make these, you know, rookie or second-year quarterbacks confused. So I like the Patriots a lot in this game. I like a lot of their skill players. I like their matchup. I think James White coming back from the birth of his child is going to have a good game. He set out last week. Um, you know, I read something this morning that they're looking to beat Sony Michelle. I don't know if that's a great play this week. Because again, the Bills' defense is good. They're, they're going to load up the box and force you know Tom Brady to beat them, which is a mistake in my opinion. But um, guys like Julian Edelman and James White, I think, are in line for big day, taking taking advantage of the underneath stuff that's going to be open by the by the Bills. I think trying to bring the pressure. Talking to Danny Flecky here on the Gambling Fantasy Show, a portion of the Sunday Sprint. All right, gambling question for you. Chargers-Dolphins. This is not a game we're going to talk about regularly in terms of picks. The Dolphins, we know, are atrocious and are tanking, which of course means, Danny, that that they will beat the Jets for their one win of the year because that's just how it works as a Jet fan. Um, 14.5 points is the line that the Chargers on the road are favored by in Miami. From a gambling perspective, do you take um, that line and just know that there's no chance the Dolphins have enough to cover in any game the rest of the year? Is that an easy gambling pick? I'm actually on the opposite side of this game. I actually really like the Dolphins to cover in this game. I think this game presents um, a lot of issues for the Chargers in the sense that it's a cross-country flight, uh, so it's going kick, kick off for them. Miami always is going to be a difficult place for some teams to play just because of the humidity and the heat. I thought the Dolphins last week, despite getting beat by the Cowboys, did some things a little bit differently than we saw the first two weeks. They're a little more aggressive on the offensive side of the ball. Josh Rosen is now their starter, so you know they can game plan around him. I, I think the Chargers, you know, are going to win this game. There's no doubt in my mind with that. But I do think the Dolphins have enough in this in this matchup specifically to cover. The Chargers are a little undermanned. You know, they got Melvin Gordon back, but you know, their other running back, Justin Jackson, out for a couple of weeks. So there's a little bit of depth issue there. Uh, Casey Hayward's a game time decision, which is the number one cornerback. They had some injuries in the secondary. You know, they, they lost Derwin James earlier in the year. They lost another one of their safeties, Adrian Phillips. So I do think that the Dolphins have enough in this game to cover. I, they're not going to win. You know, they, they, I don't think they have a shot in that. But I think 14.5 points with this specific matchup and this specific team coming to Miami, I think I'm on the Dolphins' side for this one. Interesting. Uh, we shall see how this uh, progresses as we go down through the season. But very interesting to see if the Dolphins can um, can consistently cover as time goes on. All right, your fan, your uh, gambling yeses and nos this week. So we already talked about the talent side. I really like them in that matchup. 
I'm a big fan of, you know, what the Chiefs are doing this year. You know, it's tough always backing a seven-point favorite on the road, but I'm doing it with the Pats. I'm going to do it with the Chiefs as well. I think the Lions are one of those teams that each week we see a little bit of a different team show up. You know, last week they were really good against the Eagles, but the Eagles were also undermanned, and we saw what they did on Thursday against the Packers. When they have a more competent team to roll out there, so I think the Lions called Letty in a bottle last week. You know, they had a 100-yard return. They, you know, forced some mistakes. The Eagles had a lot of drops, um, which allowed them to stay ahead of the line. I think in this matchup here, you know, Darius plays a game-time decision, one of their best cornerbacks in the NFL. Kansas City inside, you know, they just look dynamic. They have players that just step in, and they are fast, and they're going to, I think, get after it. Mahomes, um just continues to impress, and while their defense hasn't really been that strong to start off the season, I do think that the Lions are one of those teams that aren't going to necessarily look to blow them out of the water. So the thing I look at this, you know, when I when I see these types of lines, is you know what what's the other quarterback going to do in the situation when they're trailing? And I think Matthew Stafford at times can force it, and he's had a good start to the season, but I still think he has those tendencies, and I just think that the Chiefs are going to get too far ahead of the line to catch up. Okay, and now your uh, fantasy yeses and nos. So we talked a little bit about the Pats matchup. Um, you know, we talked a little about the Redskins and Giants. Again, I think that's a good game where you can find some value picks. You know, Vernon Davis, Chris Thompson, uh, those types of guys could be in line for big days. The Giants have a terrible chance, terrible time covering tight end. Um, you know, you look at other, some other matchups, I think, you go down to Houston, and you can see that Carlos Hyde is now, I think, number one back down there. You should feel confident rolling him out there. I forget who they're playing off the top of my head. Um, oh, man, who are they playing? Houston oh, is playing Carolina without Cam Newton. Yeah, so I think, you know, Carlos Hyde's a good play. He's been getting a lot of the touches in that backfield. Um, you know, on the Carolina side of the ball, we saw their offense open up a little bit last week. So, you know, guys like Greg Olsen, Curtis Samuel were, were big beneficiaries of that. I think those are two good plays again this week. You know, we're heading into the bye week now, so you want to make sure you have a deep enough roster. Um, so, you know, those are the guys you want to be able to have on your bench to plug in when you have guys that are out. You know, you go out to San Francisco. Uh, San Francisco was out this week, um, but... You know, you look at Seattle playing against Arizona, I think that's a very high-scoring game for the Seahawks. So, um, Tyler Lockett's been on the tear, continuing to start him with confidence. Chris Carson had a couple of rough weeks here with some fumbles, uh, but I still think he's a good play, especially in this matchup. Um, you know, another side, another game that you can feel confident with the matchup that you can go out there with are, you know, the Colts. You know, Jacoby Brissett's been great, and so has Marlon Mack. So those are two other players that you can... Uh, throw in there to start this week. Uh, talking to Danny Flecky here on, on Teeing It Up. My dad walked out of the room. I was going to ask him what his thoughts were on uh, on his gambling picks as somebody who doesn't gamble. Um, <laughs> are, are there any no-nos that um, for, for, for either thing that you want to bring up before we uh, close shop here? There's one specific matchup I'm going to stay away from, and that's the Jacksonville-Denver game. I think that game is going to be a slugfest. Um, you know, in the four o'clock slot. I don't feel confident in any of the players in that matchup. 
you know, Fournette has been bottled up a little bit this year. He's going against a tough defense. The Denver team is desperate. So I can imagine we're going to see their best performance so far this year. I think that their defense matches up well with the Jaguars do. They're going to get after Gardner Minshew. Um, you know, on the other side of the ball, it's tough for me to back anybody on Denver. You know, Phil Blindley had a good game last week, but, you know, the Packers are, are one of those teams that we saw, you know, it's okay with giving up the rush yards. And I just think that Jacksonville's defense matches up well for, for that type of game plan. So I think I'm going to stay away from anybody in that game. Makes sense to me. All right, one last thing before we let you go. Are you concerned at all about the Packers coming out of Thursday night and the issues they had uh, with the play calling and, and, and what we saw down the stretch there? Uh, and obviously Devontae Adams is, is turf toes uh, concerning because those injuries can keep you out for a while. They're very pesky. It has to be. I mean, look at what they did on Thursday night. You know, you get out to a 10-point lead, and you go back against the rope, um, and you're unable to put them away. I thought their play calling was a little shoddy there. They opened it up a bit um, in the second half and let Aaron Rodgers throw the ball, but they were unable to run it. And on top of that, I think once they got into the red zone, uh, the play caller got in his own head. You know, Matt LaFleur is a first-year head coach. He's bound to make some mistakes, but, you know, I can't imagine a six tries inside the five-yard line that you can't punch it in once. No run play. It's a terrible, uh, you know, slant pattern on, you know, on the tight side of the, on the um, short side of the field and the traffic. You know, just not a good, good schematic, you know, strategy there. you got to spread out the field a little bit if you're on the goal line. Um, so I, I would be a little worried if I was a Packers fan. You know, you still have to play the Vikings like the Bears again. You have the Cowboys in a couple of weeks. So you're going to hope that Aaron Rodgers can do Aaron Rodgers things and, you know, turn that offense around. But I would be just a little worried about, you know, the pressure type situations that Matt LaFleur is going to find himself in the next couple of weeks. You know, what type of game plan and, and game calling he's going to do because, they had some dynamic players on that team, but once Devontae Adams went out, you know, they were kind of, you know, piecing things together there. They still had a shot at the end. That's all you can ask for, but I think they still need to figure out, you know, what their identity is. You know, are they going to be a running team or are they going to be a throwing team? And there's nothing wrong with, with being a throwing team in this day and age when we have the best quarterback in the league. There you go. And I, I couldn't be, I, I couldn't, Disagree more. I'm sorry. I, I could not agree more. There, there. That, that's what I was trying to say. Um, you just gotta hope that Matt Lafleur learns from these mistakes and is able to progress. Because if not, it could be a long, long season um, yeah. for him. Uh, I think the Packers were in an unfortunate situation on uh, on Thursday. You know, the second play of the game, they lose their backup running back. They didn't have anybody else dressed. Yeah. So you know, Aaron Jones was gonna handle most of the load, but. Even when he had the ball in his hands, he didn't have any space. You know, the offensive line was overmatched. And when your offensive line is overmatched like that, you got to figure out different ways to move the ball down the field. And they were. You know, Devontae Adams had 180 yards. But, you know, when you get down inside the red zone, you got to figure out a way to get the ball in there. So, And not only that, too, but the lack of ability to... Uh, that wide receiver was wide open on the right side of the end zone. If you if you're able to somehow hold it for just one more millisecond, you're golden. 
but he wasn't, and he was not able to, and the rest is history. And that's something that he's going to have to deal with, Aaron Rodgers, that is, with shoddy offensive lines and play calling. That can be suspect at times. Agreed. Thank you, sir, Danny. I, I just knighted you. Congratulations. No, nothing wrong with that. <laughs> Uh, Thank you to Danny Flecka. Thank you all for listening uh, to the gambling and fantasy uh, portion of the Sunday Sprint. Enjoy your football weekend, everybody.